Hey there, everybody. Scott Fontana here with Dan Urban for another edition of the Couchside Judges. We've got a busy fight weekend ahead of us with our weekly dose of Octagon action from UFC Apex, plus Bellator events for Mohegan Sun on both Friday and Saturday. And those are just the big promotions, of course. We'll talk about some of the fights on those cards later. But first, Dan and I have two past judgments for you. Since both UFC and Bellator have fighters in their headliners with a history of close decisions, we've selected two from their respective catalogs to break down. We'll start with Angela Hill, who's headlining for the UFC, and her May fight against Claudia Gadelia. From Bellator's main event, we've got one of the most controversial UFC title fights of all time, Lyoto Machida's first fight against Mauricio Shogun Hua. Busy show indeed here with two past judgments. Uh, you know, we're going to dive right in, I think, right? But before we do our first fight, Dan is going to run down how our modified scoring system works. So, Dan, take it away. Yeah, once again, the CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, you know, which if you're unfamiliar with, it is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration, but we just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. So Scott, let's set the stage for Gadelia Hill. Yeah, this was a fight night card on ESPN at Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida on May 16th this year. Whew, what a mouthful. <laughs> Headlined by Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris. This was the co-main event, actually, Gadilia and Hill. Uh, and it was also the last UFC event to take place anywhere other than Apex or Fight Island. So it's kind of a relic of a different time, in a sense. <laughs> Gadelia, she was the former strawweight challenger, of course. Uh, she had alternated wins and losses since the start of 2017 coming into this one. But her last fight before this was a unanimous decision victory over Random Marcos last July. Angela Hill had already won twice in 2020 before the pandemic had altered the UFC schedule. Uh, TKO over Hannah Cyphers in January. She decisioned Loma Look on Me in February. And at this point, she was on a three-fight winning streak. Judges for this one? Sal D'Amato, Chris Lee, and David Torelli, and the referee was Keith Peterson. Dan, give me round one. What'd you say? Yes, I, I thought this round was pretty clearly for Gadelia. She had a really solid jab going, and every time Hill came in, she was popping her with that jab. Uh, good ground and pound from side control when she got it there, and I, I you know, thought she held her own on the feet. I, clear round for her in my eyes 10-9 absolutely you know it's, I thought the ground and pound was especially effective because she had that nice knee on belly working um yeah and she didn't I don't think she landed too many shots from the ground but they were good shots they were quality shots each one of them I think yeah she scored from uh, there definitely definitely we're not talking about a 10-8 even in our scoring system though this was just you know a solid 10-9 I think right yeah I'm with you solid 10-9 low duration of offense you know nothing else like that so yeah like we said uh, and all three judges agreed, of course. This was an easy round, I think, to break down. You know, we're, we're no one would have kind of seen this as anything other than Gadelia winning here. So that's what we had from all three judges. Yeah. No other way to go on this round. Absolutely. Round two, kind of similar story in the sense that it was easy to call, but this time for Angela Hill, right? Hill dropped her early. You know, she opened that cut over her eye. She was really landing good shots, and she had her on the ground and uh, kind of just let her back up. 
Yeah, I would say this. I think she was smart not to follow Gedalia down after she knocked her down, but it did also prevent her from swarming and kind of, you know, obviously adding on more offense. But it was a riskier position to follow, uh, whether to follow her down or not, you know? Yeah, it would have been risky going to the ground with Gedalia. But it, if you want the 10 8, I, mean, I think she could have got it if she stayed there and did some damage there. I would have to say. From her perspective, I'm sure she's not thinking I need the 10-8. I think she's thinking I'm, I want her up so I can knock her out. And I don't blame her because you know yeah. she, she really connected well with it. It was a straight right that yeah. put her down. She was she landed good shots, but also she also like Adelia back in the fight. She kept this she round. Did. She kept this round pretty competitive. Yeah, she did. She kind of really chipped away throughout the round. I don't think she was able to take it back, especially when Hill kind of put a stamp on it with that late success in like the final 30 seconds, right? Yeah, th- this was totally a Hill round, 10-9. 10-9, no questions. Yeah. I, I got 19 all at this point, and so do the judges. You know, this is, again, pretty standard. We're not really seeing any reason why we'd be talking about this fight so far, right? You know, it's then, just kind of a close, <laughs> close fight. Round three, different story. Yeah, this was a very close round, I thought. Very close. Oh, yeah, this was this was a tough one. Yeah. We've watched this one several times, you and I. Yeah, we have. <laughs> but I ended up, I, I did not sway. I, I still score for Gedelia 10-9. Just as you did back then? Yep. I also didn't uh, change my mind. I thought this was a Hill round. I thought Hill won the fight. So, I mean, it's just super close fight. And then... But this, you know, this round in particular, though, Dan, it was high action. This was a really fun fight. They went really for it. really fun round. Yeah, they went for it. They really, both of them did. They pushed hard. They both had their moments. You know, I thought Hill was kind of more successful earlier in the round, uh, whereas Gedalia, you know, came back in the latter half of it. Right, yeah. I I just thought Gedalia was landing harder shots throughout the round. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought uh, I thought you could kind of make the case for either one of them. It's, it, this is certainly a round that I'm not going to sit on, on a hill and say, you know, there's no way Gedalia won. Total, like, I, I hate to say toss-up because that, that implies you're just kind of picking one over the other without really caring but i mean this is a close round like yeah. you have to understand the argument for both women here yeah i, I totally un- understand going hill's way i just thought you know the damage that was done to gedalia's face wasn't worsened in this round all that damage came from round two i would agree i would agree yeah the, the stuff around her uh it would have been her right eye yeah it was already there i mean she you know she was targeting it angela hill was you know there's no question there but i don't know if it was made any more um, kind of to your point, more difficult for her to fight or anything like that, Gadelia. Right. It 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 didn't impact her any further. Yeah, and but again, I think no matter what, we're talking about a ten nine round here. One of those, you know, ten nine and a halfs if that was an option. Yeah, that ten nine and a half would be about uh, as close as it gets. But you yeah. know, in a fight in a fight like this, like even let's let's pretend that it was half points or something like that. It would have been a solid ten nine for each of these women, I think, in the first two rounds, and this would have been just another close round but all so all that would have said was that hey this was really close and it still ended up being there yeah but a Some split decision kind way. of implies the same thing right for sure it's just not uh, always but in this case i think it this is. is just a uh well yeah certainly we've we've had split decisions that you know are, <laughs> are head scratchers but sure this one i mean it's totally understandable yeah and it was actually you were in the majority of course because gadelia did win this fight uh 29 28 on two cards it was from chris lee and dave torelli uh, whereas Sal D'Amato was the one who saw it, as I did for Angela Hill, giving her the third round here. So the rare dissenter. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I feel I feel for Angela Hill in this one because she loses a lot of these close decisions 
And obviously it hasn't held Angela Hill's career back because just this weekend we're going to see her become the first black woman to headline a UFC event. And, you know, this is this is major, but... Yeah, her personality has really helped her move along. The fans love her. Oh, I mean, she's she's terrific, but it, it goes beyond her personality. I mean, the, the woman can fight. She, and she's fun to watch. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it, the, she's got the whole package, I think, is really what it is. And, and that's why, you know, and I'll talk about this later, I do think that this is a much more interesting uh, fight than the other uh, women's headliner we had earlier this year that didn't have a title on the line, uh, Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo. But I'll, I'll save that for when we get to this weekend's fights. Uh, you know, this, again, I thought this was a fun fight gone either way but it just didn't go angela hill's way it went the way that you saw it yeah and it, it, like you said i don't think it didn't didn't uh halt anyone's career really no certainly not so let's move on to the main attraction for this uh episode here dan we got leota machida and Maurizio shogun hua in quite possibly one of the most uh famous controversial decisions that the ufc has seen right it definitely was so i'll set the stage here we're talking all the way back to UFC 104. Think about it. We're in the 250s now. This is UFC 104 uh, at Staples Center in Los Angeles on October 24th, 2009. This was Machida's first light heavyweight title defense after he had knocked out Rashad Evans earlier in the year. Came in 15-0 and 0 with some big wins over guys like Tito Ortiz, Rich Franklin, Stefan Bonner. Uh, and there was also this mystique, Dan, of course, that you'll remember that he was he had this unbeatable karate style, you know? Yeah, hard to hit. It, it, everyone said, I kept saying unbeatable, unbeatable, unbeatable. And obviously, you know, anyone who really knew, knew that unbeatable is just, you know, a hype word or anything like that. But I was new to the sport at this point, and I loved Machida even before he became the champ. So I, I bought in a little bit, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly did. I did, I did. Uh, Shogun, though, uh, he made a splash, obviously, on the MMA scene four years earlier than this fight when he won the 2005 Pride Middleweight Grand Prix, beating guys like Rampage Jackson and a younger, skinnier Alistair Overeem, by the way. Yeah, a Pride uh, legend. Yes. <laughs> he uh, you know, he hadn't been that impressive, though, after all the Pride guys were acquired by the UFC. He had a bunch of knee injuries that kind of were a major factor in, you know, almost, almost derailing his career. You know, he lost to Forrest Griffin, uh, but then he TKO'd Mark Coleman. It wasn't that impressive performance he also tko'd chuck liddell talking about ufc hall of famers here but again this is still not the most uh impressive route to a title shot even though he was 18 and 3 right and he was actually four years younger than machida which always surprises me yeah you you don't think of hua as being the youngest of fighters he's still not even 40 yet so it's kind of crazy how young he got into this sport he was so young when he won the pride grand prix it's crazy he was only 23 when he won that that was kind of like when John Jones, uh, you know, ascended and beat him just a, <laughs> yeah. a couple years after this fight. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the the judges for this one, we had Nelson Hamilton, Cecil Peoples, and Marcos Rosales, two of which we don't really hear anymore. They don't really judge anymore. Uh, and the referee was Herb Dean. And one more thing, Dan, we've got something special, right? I reached out to a current judge to get their thoughts on how they would score this fight with a focus on what they felt were kind of the closer rounds, one, two, and four. Uh, so we'll call this person Shadow Judge, right? Just sure. A, you know, a little a little nickname. Uh, I'll tell you that the insight I got from them at the end of each round that we talk about those of those three rounds. Take note, though, that this judge acknowledges that there are things that are different from cage side than watching on an 11 year old fight pass video, for example. Uh, and you know, typically this person would still defer 
to the assigned judges in a close round, right? Oh, you gotta. Mm-hmm. So with that said, round one. Dan, you watched this fight three times today. Why don't you kick it off? I, I watched it three times. Uh, was not the barn burner of a fight. I'll say oh, that. Oh, I disagree. But I disagree. it was still okay. Still fun to watch. I call it, you know, middle of the road title fight. But uh, round one, I gave to Machida 10-9. He started the round hot with those knees to the body from the clinch. I thought that was solid. You know, Shogun landed some shots. It just didn't seem like Shogun shots to me were like uh, fight finishing shots. I thought Machida had the power behind his shots, and, and that's why I scored it for him. Would you say that the kicks that Shogun was throwing um, weren't fight ending because you can't win a fight with leg kicks by any chance? That's not- As one of the judges said. That's not what I'm saying. All right, all right. But I am saying he was he was working the long game. Okay, all right. But and you don't think that that's enough to win the round here? Not in this particular round, no. See, I do think that this was a close round. You know, Machida he had those flurry of knees early. You know, obviously he he loves those knees in every fight. I think he lands one of these step in knees, but this was actually kind of like a little barrage of them. But yeah, I really did think that Shogun's kicks were more consistent throughout the round. Landed well. Close round, I, I I'll grant you that, but I did go with Shogun here, ten nine. Okay, I mean I could see it. I totally could see it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just with uh, I'm with Machida on this one, especially that one knee where Shogun was coming in for a, a double and Machida meets him with the knee. I thought that was that was big. That's fair. That's fair. I can understand. And you know, I really didn't think any of the headshots from Shogun were all that uh, impactful behind it because it seemed like they would exchange every time they threw at each other. Both guys were doing something. Either someone was throwing a leg kick, another person was throwing a body kick at the same time, or a person. Yeah, was there was a up. lot of that. They they were both kind of throwing at the same time for sure. That makes it, especially for someone like me who's an amateur, it makes it harder to read the situation. Right. Yeah. Same here. Same. Could be why we're split. That, that could be. But you know what? The judges on this one were split as well. Uh, Cecil Peoples and Marcos Rosales. They both saw it your way from Machida. It was uh, Nelson Doc Hamilton who gave ten nine to Shogun, just as I did. Uh, so obviously, you know, there was there was a discrepancy of opinion here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was close. I, I would agree. And our shadow judge said that this was, quote, obviously laser close, which, you know, I'd agree with uh, and felt that it was tied actually going into the final minute. So what they said was that Shogun's big right hand outweighed Machida's uh, leg kick late in the round, that that's kind of what tilted things for them. OK, yeah, that was just one note. Uh, that was provided for that, and I can understand. You know, is cl- we're talking about a very close round here. So, when you when you've got you know on the whole, there weren't a ton of strikes thrown. There was you know some, but not a ton. Uh, every little bit counts, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that assessment if if I thought it was tied, but uh, I didn't really think it was tied there. So fair enough. On to round two, though, Dan. What what did you see here? Did you did you see another Machida round? No, this was another close round, but I scored it for Shogun, 10-9. This is where he kind of really dug in and, and started landing to the body and to the legs. And you could see it was starting to, to add up. Uh, Machida's leg was like almost purple. It, it wasn't going well for him. No, I, I would agree. You really did see the tide turning here. And to be fair, that I actually thought that Machida was winning this round kind of near the end is when I started to... It was close. I, I had it narrowly up for Machida. But then Shogun starts landing those clinched knees. Yeah, those were That's nice knees. That's what swayed yeah. it for me. He was really digging. And you can see how much that was affecting Machida too because he started lifting his leg, trying to prevent it. So you oh, know, th- so you know those hurt him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had it for uh, for Shogun as well, 10-9. So for me, Shogun's up 
20 to 18 and you've got it tied, right? Yeah. 19, 19. Yeah. Actually all three judges here gave it to Machida. Interesting. Which, you know, a close round, but uh, it's a little surprising that no one saw the value in uh, Shogun's offense compared to Machida's. Yeah. Well, Machida was still landing. So of course he was. Yeah. I mean, like we said, this is a close round too. Yeah. This was a close round. So, yeah. So let's go to our shadow judge too. Let's get their thoughts on this. And, and, uh, you know, I actually had to specifically ask that the judge watch this round because when I first mentioned this fight, they said, okay, I'll just watch the rounds that were split. And I said, you know, if you wouldn't mind watching round two as well, just cause that was a really close round. They said, okay. So they watched it and they ended up going with Shogun after all, you know, they had Machida up by one decent strike that they said, uh, with a minute left. But the tipping point was again, those knees that I mentioned right at the cage. So it was kind of funny. We ended up seeing it the same way. I, I watched and made my notes. I promise I didn't change my notes just because of the judge. I swear <laughs> it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this was, this was definitely a close round from the judge's standpoint too. They did point out though, that in this round in particular, for example, the TV angle that we are provided watching this fight doesn't always let you see how some of the kicks landed, making it hard to assess those strikes. Yes. And a lot of it was kind of cut off a little below the waist, right? Right. So I, I watched this with no commentary and with commentary. And some of the times Joe Rogan would say, wow, a great leg kick. I say, I don't know if I really saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think, I think the UFC presentation has gotten better about not cutting off fighters at the waist like that. You yeah. Know, it's not boxing. This is obviously we want to see the whole thing. Uh, but evidently this was still a problem in 2009. Round three, though, this is the round most definitely went to Machida as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. He was landing great body kicks and that flurry at the end of the round. I mean, that kind of really sealed it for him. But even before that, uh, every t- this was the round that really pointed out or set home that they were throwing the similar, sh- like, same strikes at the same time. Yeah. This was a lot where Shogun's going low, Machida's going to the body, and, I, you know, I'm just weighing the body more. All right. Fair enough. I, you know, I think you can weigh both of them, right? Because, you know, don't forget, and I forget actually at this point in the fight when you really started to see that, uh, you know, that darkening of Machida's uh, around his his abdomen there. You know, he was definitely feeling the effects of these body blows that were being delivered from Shogun. So, yeah, he was feeling it in the body too, man. Yeah, I I think not not in this round. No, I don't think as much. It was Machida won this round. I, I would agree. Uh, but I do think it was another close round, just not not in the in the way that went to Shogun, obviously. No, it was still this was Machida's best round. Yeah, ten nine. Yep, you ten know, nine. It didn't didn't escape that. No, even in our scoring. So we're we're just talking about natural rounds, ten nine, and I have it twenty nine twenty eight for Shogun, whereas you have it twenty nine twenty eight for Machida right now, right? No, uh, yeah, twenty nine twenty eight Machida. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and all three judges they agreed this was a Machida round. I, you know, I don't think anyone would argue anything else i didn't even ask the shadow judge to watch this for us because it was pretty academic i think that this was a machita round uh the funny thing is though we have cecil peoples and marcos rosales have machita up 30 to 27 so already shogun needs a finish to win this he doesn't know this but he needs a finish to win this fight yeah it would have been great it's either a close fight or a really good fight for him you know depending on your perspective. And Doc Hamilton has 29-28 Machida. So, yeah, nobody has Shogun winning right now. I do. Uh, Shadow Judge does as well. Go Shadow Judge. Go <laughs> Shadow Judge, right on. Uh, round four, though, I think this is where it became pretty clear the fight 
had turned against Machida. Yeah, he was he was starting to move a bit gingerly. Seemed he was he had his mouth open, he was breathing heavy, and Shogun just went to town on his legs in this round. And Machida really he basically stopped throwing. Like he, I mean, not, didn't stop throwing, but he stopped landing. Right. Yeah. He didn't. He he did a lot of uh, swing and missing and uh, resting. It was it was not the greatest round for him, of course. I think it was the clearest of the four rounds now that we're talking about. Yeah, Shogun definitely won this round. Absolutely won it, except he only won it on two out of three scorecards, Dan. Oh, wow. Cecil Peoples and Marcos Rosales, they both gave it to Shogun. You know, that that's fine. They saw it right. Doc Hamilton gave 10-9 Machida here. And honestly, I don't like to call a judge, like, bad or anything like that. Because, look, everyone can have a bad day or a bad evening or a bad round or whatever. But this is a bad score. This is a very bad score, and I don't think you can justify it. Yeah. Was he the judge that said you can't win a fight on leg kicks? No, that was Cecil Peoples. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Just just wanted to make sure because this round was a lot of leg kicks from Hua. So it would have made sense. No, that that was was not Hamilton. That was actually Peoples. But I I really – I don't understand – where Machida gets this round at all. I, I can't see an argument. And look, we said it the other day. I don't think we mentioned it yet on this episode. I'm a big Machida fan. Back then, I was even bigger mark for him because I was just a fan. I wasn't covering the sport yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't even think 2009 version of Scott Fontana thought that Machida won this round. No, this he was he was on the downhill on the downslope now of this fight. Yeah, this was this was not good. Uh, Shadow Judge essentially agreed to I, I'll, I'll just say their full assessment and let their words speak for them unsure how you cannot see this round for hua i get that machida had a couple straight punches land while he was getting kicked however those leg kicks were much heavier and a big elbow from hua yeah he did have that elbow so you know you you even have our judge saying you know i'm not sure how you can actually give this one to shogun yeah, rough, rough score for that. Uh, for it's Doc. a rough score. And actually, according to the UFC stats figures, which, you know, take them for what they are, uh, Machida only landed a single strike in this round compared to 10 from Shogun. <laughs> so how, how are you going to say that Machida's one strike landed could possibly outweigh anything Shogun did when, I mean, could you really name the strike that really hurt Shogun so bad that you could give him that round? Yeah, no way. This, I mean, it, it, Shogun wasn't rocked. He wasn't knocked down. Tough, tough to score it. It's, it's, a, it's a, it, the score's wrong. That is what it is, you know. Again, Nelson Hamilton was, you know, one of the, one of the mainstay judges that we heard about a long time at this point in MMA, but this was, this was not his night. This was a bad score. All right. Yeah, so I'm moving on to round five. Round five. Again, another clear round, right? This one for Shogun. Machida is finished at this point. Everything he's throwing is so labored. There's nothing behind it. His mouth's bleeding yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, Shogun really didn't land that much this round as he did in round four, but there's no argument that he wasn't landing with more impact. I think they were both actually landing a little bit more uh, just compared to the other round, but I think maybe they weren't throwing as much. I think they were just connecting better. Yeah, but, but like I said, Machida had nothing on anything. He didn't. He didn't, no. None of these, none of these things had the same pop. You know, none of the explosiveness. I think, you know, the body blows and the kicks, were they were taking their toll, just kind of like what you're saying. They took its toll. Not for, you know, we're still not in the 10-8 territory, even for CSJ scoring. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, this, this I think, was a very clear Shogun round. And that puts it, my final score is 49-46 for Shogun. Yeah, I got 48-47 for Shogun. Yeah, I think that's an acceptable score, too. I do actually think 
that you can justify 48-47 for Machida if you gave him all three of the first three rounds, which the first two are close. Maybe you saw it that way. Okay. It's it's the Hamilton score of 48-47 that made less sense to me. So, um, But again, this was unanimous 48-47s, even though all three gave it to Shogun here for Machida. So Machida retained. I didn't, uh, you know, I, upon further review, this was not this was not my favorite uh, decision from the judges. No, uh, I agree with you. I mean, if you want to make the case, like you said, round by round, you can make a case for Machida winning three of the, yep. three of the four, three of the five rounds. But if you scored this fight as a whole, there's no way you can argue that Machida won this fight. If we were using pride scoring, there's no way Shogun isn't the winner almost every single time. You know, I'll give you the strikes uh, landed figures as well for the entire fight, Dan. All Just, right. Not not that this always is the way to judge a fight, but I think this one's pretty telling. Total strikes landed from Shogun, 82. From Lyoto Machida, 39. Yeah, d- big big discrepancy there. We're not talking about Machida landing, you know, major power punches that put Shogun in big trouble either. You know, so when, when you're talking about a more than two to one ratio... I mean, Machida better have been hitting him hard, and it just wasn't like that. Yeah, you know, maybe Shogun, he was fighting that way. That was the strategy to break him down, because like you said, Machida has that mystique about him that you know people were just starting to try to figure out, and that was the strategy he went with. In the second fight, he certainly didn't use that strategy. No, no, he uh, he he poured into the old uh, the old cup of pride in in the way he fought. Right, he went right after it. He took advantage of the of the opening, capitalized, and put him out. Went head hunting. He didn't throw many head strikes in this fight. Well, that didn't last very long. It only went around. And no, no, I mean in the first in in this fight we just watched. Yes. The first fight he didn't throw many head strikes. This second fight, I think he threw more head strikes in that entire first round than he did this entire fight. Paid off for him for it sure. Finally did. Yeah, I do think you know. I would say the one fault you could find in Shogun is that he didn't push for the finish. Not to say you couldn't finish it with the leg kicks, but he didn't really. He didn't take any risks, not met, maybe not any risk, but not many risks here to push for that finish. And it shouldn't have cost him the fight. In my opinion, he won, but it did cost him the fight. You heard Goldberg on, on the uh, broadcast mention the rule that we've uh, we've discarded on this show is you got to beat the champ to be the champ. Yeah, it's a stupid rule. It's yeah. it's one of those unwritten rules that people just like to bring up that comes back from boxing, of course. And, you know, look, anything we bring up from boxing, including probably the 10-8 system, uh, is flawed inherently. Uh, we're stuck with the 10-8 system. We're going to make the best of it we can. I think you can make it work. We're trying to make it work. You know, the judges are trying to make it work. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> boxing is boxing. MMA is MMA. 10-point must. Whatever. It <laughs> is what it is. I You know, I, again, and I, I do think actually the sport is – I say this a lot. The sport is the best place it's ever been when it comes to judging and the criteria and the judges. Every part of it, I think, is better than it's ever been. And it's still super young. It's still super young. It's, it's going to get better. I hope we find ways to refine it. I hope people consider stuff like us where we, we try to look at widening the scoring uh, even even more than we do. Heck, if, if they found a way to make you know some, some, something like those half points work or something like that, I wouldn't be diametrically opposed to it as long as people can handle fractions. <laughs> but yeah, you know, even as a big Machida mark, like I said earlier, I really thought that Machida lost this fight now. I think at the time I actually believed Machida won. I think I just bought the Kool-Aid and I was like, ah, whatever, he won, you know, but but no, no, I can't justify it. No, he didn't win. No. But, uh, you know, that is what it is. It's it's a long way gone. You know, we're talking about Machida, who's going to be active again this weekend. 
But for Bellator, he's yeah. fighting and Shogun, you know, he just fought over the summer. He's probably got one or two fights left. You know, these guys are at the twilight of their careers. Yeah. Speaking about this weekend. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's move into it. You know, let let's start actually, though, with the UFC card, uh, just because, you know, we, we spoke about Angela Hill's fight first, you know, ladies first. You know, they deserve it. I think I think it's really great that we did. And I'm not trying to pander to women or anything like that here, but I do think that this is a great fight to put as a headliner because Michelle Waterson obviously has done a lot to promote the sport. She's someone the UFC has relied upon and pushed upon heavily And Angela Hill. She's always been there taking these late fights, you know, these, these late notice fights. She's kind of like the, the cowboy yeah. of, uh, of the women's divisions here, you know, cowboy Hill. <laughs> you could say, I know a gal, right? <laughs> you know, credit to her. I, I think this is actually a much more interesting fight than the I Calvillo fight that we mentioned earlier. And it, it's not like it has any real title implications right now. I just think it's going to produce fireworks. I think it's an interesting fight. Good style. You know, two strikers are going to go at it. Absolutely. And it's not just strikers. I mean, they do have well-rounded games, especially Watterson. You know, she's got good subs. Oh, maybe she will take it to the ground. I could see that. I could totally right. see her taking it there. But she's going to have to get her down. I mean, Claudia Gadelia had a tough time getting Angela Hill down, too. And Gadelia, I mean, that's kind of her game is is getting a fight down, you know? Right. She was holding her own on the feet, too. She was. She was, to be fair. But that was the bread and butter. She was uh, ideally in a perfect world. I think she would have taken it down and, you know, tried to tap her. You know, it didn't work out. But, yeah, this is a good fight. My gut says Angela Hill takes a decision here. You know, she's been terrific this year, even with the loss to Gadelia, which we discussed. You know, I think she's got a lot of momentum on her side. Uh, Watterson... I don't think she quite has the same career momentum right now. But, yeah, anything can happen. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to pick Hill in this one as well. Okay, decision? Yeah, decision. Yes. Yeah, and we thing. probably won't have to talk about it. I don't think so. I think it's going to be clear. I think I think Angela Hill is going to put a stamp on it. If yeah. she wins, I think she's going to put a real stamp on it. Uh, we'll see how her gas tank, though, holds up. Because this is the first five-round fight in the UFC that she's had. You know, Waterson has a lot of championship experience from from her time in Invicta. Obviously, they're both former champions in Invicta, so we'll see. We'll see what we get. But now we've got two Bellator cards to talk about because Bellator couldn't be contained to just one night. Thanks, guys. You're making it real tough on us. <laughs> I'm more excited for the main event for Bellator 245, which is the Friday event, and it's the rematch between Phil Davis and Machida. We talked about that fight, of course, the other day on the previous episode from 2013 they're running it back now seven years later what do you think of this one Mm, i think phil davis is going to take it i do too i think he's going to win by decision and i think there's going to be good chances for him to get the wrestling and the ground and pound going i think the fact that machida is now 42 years old is going to make it harder for him to deal with someone like davis who you know no longer a young man in this sport you know he's he's been around but I think he's still got more years ahead of him than Machida does. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a great fight, but I do think Machida is probably going to have a tough time. Davis will take a clearer decision. I'm going with Davis by Kimura. Kimura. Oh, is, is it going to be the, the Mr. Wonderful? It's possible. The one he hit a long time ago. On, I think it was Alexander Gustafson, right? It's possible. We'll go with that, the, right, that one-handed Kimura you're that talking one-handed about. one-handed one, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's going to be that, but I, I see it, Kimura. All right. I just wish they had five rounds to do this in. You know, I wish Bellator would get get with the program and do five round main events, yeah. like the UFC does for non title fights. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's disappointing, but it is what it is. You know, and actually, it's funny because I I'm more interested in 
the Machida fight, even though I don't think it's going to be all that great a fight. And weirdly enough, I think that the next main event, the one for Saturday with Bellator, that's Bellator 246, Juan Archuleta and Patchy Mix, Bantamweights, I think is going to be fire. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, these guys look like they just try to kill their opponent yep. when they fight. That sounds about right. And Patchy Mix, uh, you know, he's, he's riding a, a streak of, I think, eight straight finishes. Yeah, he's unbeaten. Unbeaten. I do think I'm, I'm going to go with Mix by submission in this one. That's going to be oh, my pick. Okay. You know, Archuleta, I think he's got the skill, the experience. I think he's hard to pick against. I could see him being the Bellator Bantamweight champion before too long, really. All right. So I'm picking him. I'm picking him decision. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this again, I think of all three fights, this one probably has the potential to be the most exciting main event of the weekend. It likely will be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we get. I hope it lasts long enough because if it just, you know, if it ends in like 30 seconds, it's like, oh, wow, that was fun. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But the judges for this one, for, for both of these events, we're, we're going to see some of the top judges in the world throughout the whole weekend. And good thing for it, too. UFC, I'm sure we'll get, you know, the same guys we've been seeing every week. Sal D'Amato, Eric Colon, Derek Cleary, many more. Uh, Nevada, of course, they bring in nine judges typically, so they'll spread the work out. Bellator, my understanding is that we'll probably end up seeing Brian Miner, David Torelli, and Doug Crosby, who are, you know, some of the top Northeast guys. They don't really work in Nevada as much, but they're they're certainly the best people that you can kind of get in the Mohegan Sun, Connecticut region there. You know, maybe we'll see somebody like Michael Murtha or David Peabody too. You know, these are these are other judges that often work these Bellator events. We'll see. But I, I always yeah. feel much better when when I see Brian Miner's name out there, Doug Crosby and David Torelli. I, you know, they're they're solid judges. Yeah, that we shouldn't have to worry about them. No, no, no. But what uh, what about other than these three fights? What fight are you most looking forward to? Out of Bellator and UFC, all, all yeah, overall. Yeah, out of the whole for the whole weekend. I'll take a UFC prelim here, and that's Matt Schnell against Tyson Nam. That's a flyweight fight. Nam is really fun. You know, he's got some great wins in his career. Just got that uh, knockout. He never really seems to put it together. You know, like he just can't put together that extended run. Yeah. So let's see how much. I mean, he wasn't supposed to win against uh, his last fight and he got the first. No, round he knockout. wasn't. But he had the heavy knockout. Yeah. But he hits hard. That's that's what he does. You know, if he connects, he's one of those few flyweights that he really puts lights out. Yeah, him and him and Figueredo are the two that come to mind when it comes to power. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Those and and now we've got Cody Garbrandt coming down. Right. Yeah, and Cody obviously, but he has. We'll see how his power yet. translates yeah. with the weight cut. But in my understanding, is it shouldn't be too harsh of one. He he's not a big bantamweight to begin with. No. Um, but but you know neither here nor there. Machinelli, you know he's not a pushover. So we'll see. And, and again, Tyson Nam, he does have this problem of kind of putting together wins in his career. You know he doesn't really always follow up the big win with the next win. So we'll see. I, you know, I'm not rooting hard for him harder than Chanel or anything like that, but uh, you know, he's, he's a fighter that I like to watch. So I would like to see more of him. I hope he wins based on that. What about you? The fight I want to see this weekend is Mike Rodriguez versus Ed Herman. Okay. Slow Mike, right? Yeah. Slow Mike versus Ed Herman. Who's not uh, that fast himself. Um, but, but he has a short fuse as I understand. <laughs> He does. I think this is going to be, you know, to quote Jr., a slobber knocker. It's going to be a slobber knocker. <laughs> and uh, I just think it's going to be a fun fight, mainly because these two just come to bang. Yeah, they do. I think it'll be fun, too. I think Slow Mike's going to take this one. Yeah, I'm going Slow Mike knockout. Knockout? Okay. Yeah, probably. I'll go with that, too. But we'll see. You know, Herman's he's an old vet in this game. We'll see if he can keep it going. Don't rule out an Ed Herman leg lock win. Ooh, interesting choice. 
Put it in the books, fight fans. That's all for now. Dan and I are back with the Couchside Judges on Monday to talk about the fights from all these events. Maybe not all of them, I guess, but we'll see what we can fit in for you. Can't imagine we'll have time for more past judgment uh, in that episode. That's for sure. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. And my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks for listening and enjoy all these fights on Friday and Saturday. Later, guys.